This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most, faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, and our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. My guest this week is Donna Jones, a national speaker, church planter, pastor's wife, and self-described Bible explainer who has spoken in 26 states and on four continents. She is the host of the weekly That's Just What I Needed podcast and the author of Seek, A Woman's Guide to Meeting God, Taming Your Family Zoo, and the Get Healthy Bible Study series. And her new book is called Healthy Conflict, Peaceful Life. And in today's conversation, we are talking all about conflict. So if you are someone who is in relationship with other people, let me tell you, you need this conversation. We get into the nitty gritty. I love Donna's insight and her wisdom. I'm telling you, you are going to learn something from this conversation. So without further ado, on to my chat with Donna Jones. Okay, today's going to be so fun because before we started recording, Donna and I had a moment with this this moment where we connected because we're I don't we're not book twins. We're like we're like book siblings. Um so uh yeah, book sisters. I'm book sisters. So Donna's book uh well, I I'm jumping ahead of myself and I don't care. Uh, Donna's book comes out February 20th. When this airs, it will be out. So yay. But we're the, with the, both with the same publisher, but we also have the same editor and marketing team. And so I just feel this, uh, this sweet connection with you, Donna, already. Uh, Donna, welcome I to know. the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, Molly, it is such fun for me to be here. I'm loving it. So much fun. Um, okay, well, let's just go ahead and do what all my guests do. And that is give us the Donna Jones 101. So who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Oh, well, first, again, thank you so much. So yes. the Donna Jones 101. Well, I am um, I'm a pastor's wife, actually, church planter. And uh, never thought I would ever do that, but we did. We took the the, the big leap, and uh, I'm a national speaker and writer. I have three adult kids who I adore, and um, I wrote this book on conflict because, as somebody who's been in ministry for years and years and years, I have seen how this has really affected yeah. families, friendships, the church. I mean, the whole gamut. So I've kind of had a front row seat into seeing how things go really well or not really well. And so um, it's become something I'm passionate about because I want people to have the best relationships they can. Yes. Okay. Well, we're uh, there's obviously a lot I want to talk with you about um, about this topic. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because it is such a needed topic of conversation. It is also not easy um, to talk about conflict. Um, and I want to get into like personality types and conflict and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, you know, I always like to ask uh, this question, especially of people in full-time ministry um, and people who, uh, it's funny, the interview I did just before this, uh, was with another pastor who is also a church planter. And, um, I was sharing how I, uh, not a pastor, not married to a pastor, but me and my husband are both, uh, part of a, the leadership, um, of a church plant. And so we, we planted a church, um, along with a group of people and, uh, it is, you know, not for the faint of heart. And, um, but, you know, it's all consuming. And so my my question to you is, as somebody who is a speaker and a writer and a pastor's wife and church planter, and I love that you say self-described Bible explainer, yes. what do you do when you are not doing ministry? Which I realize is a, uh, a question that is nearly impossible to answer because you're almost always doing ministry. Uh, but like, what what do you do just for you? What is what is your what brings you joy? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love that question. First of all. Um, okay. I'm one of those people. Now your listeners are either going to go, Oh, I relate to her or basically I hate her guts. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm one of those people that actually goes to the gym. I love to go to That's the right. gym. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not obsessive about it. I it's it. not like I work out three hours a day or anything like that, <laughs> but I do, I do go to the gym. Um, and I love to meet my friends for coffee. I'm a huge coffee drinker. And here's a fun fact. I'm a sucker for a really cute pair of shoes. So, you know, um, there you go. That's I Donna love Johnson. it. I love it. Big fan of, um, I, well, I don't drink coffee, but I, you know, I'm, I'm an active person. Um, I live on a farm and so our gym is in a barn. Um, so in the winter time, <laughs> Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's real difficult to motivate myself to walk up to that barn. Um, my husband though, he will do it whether it is 15 degrees outside or 95 degrees outside. Now he certainly will adjust the time of day that he goes up there based on the temperature because, uh, there's no insulation <laughs> in the barn gym. Um, but anyway, I, I, okay. Well, I love all that. I also love a good cute pair of shoes. But yeah, but I, and I realize that that sounds like such a silly question to ask of somebody who's in full-time ministry, but it's important because when you um, often make your work, and I think this could be said about anybody in any kind of business, especially if you own a business or um, whether you're in, you know, nonprofit work or in ministry, I think our culture leads us to believe that we need to find our identity in what we do rather mm -hmm. than who we are and what brings us joy and you know especially and, and I think that that's just an Americanized like Western culture thing where we just are constantly consumed with what we do and 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 we find our identity in that when that is not who we are we are not who what we do for a living we are so much more than that yes that is so true that is so true well okay so I you know I, I briefly mentioned this the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast is not just because we're we're book sisters but um but what your book is about um and so it is well first like tell us about the book and it, as again as of when this airs it came out yesterday so congratulations happy book birthday get excited <laughs> um so tell us about the book and why you decided to write it well, the title is Healthy Conflict, Peaceful Life. Mm -hmm. The subtitle, however, I came up with before we actually titled the book, and I love the subtitle. The subtitle is, drumroll, it's a biblical guide to communicating thoughts, feelings, and opinions with grace, truth, and zero regret. Now, the reason I love the subtitle is because I feel like there's so many people who have a hard time yeah. expressing uh, their opinions, thoughts, perspectives in a way that leaves them feeling good about the way they did it. And, um, and I really do believe that our relationships would be so much better and we would have so much more unity, so much more personal peace, relational peace peace in our relationship with God if we just learned how to communicate in the midst of conflict. And so, you know, and it's 2024. Hello, it's an right. election year. Yeah. So there's going to be conflict. And I just think, wow, wouldn't it be just so great as we as believers get ahead of the game and know how to deal with it before it happens so we don't hang our head in regret and think, oh gosh, why did I handle it that way? Right. Now, I am I know that you have a degree in interpersonal communication, but like you're not mm -hmm. like a therapist or counselor like so. But, you know, when you're in ministry, uh, you know, people are messy. And so <laughs> the conflict yeah. is going to arise when you are married. Conflict is going to arise when you're a parent and you have multiple children, conflict is going to arise. There are days where I am convinced that my son and my daughter are just going to murder each other. Um, and then 10 minutes later, they're the best of friends. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand this. <laughs> um, so it's not like you are a stranger to conflict, but I guess for somebody that might say like, like why this topic from your unique perspective and personal experience? 
Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I do have a degree in interpersonal communications from UCLA, and then I did grad studies at USC. So there is an educational background, but being in ministry, and I, I've been in ministry over three decades, you really do get a first, you know, uh, a front row seat, both from two perspectives, watching other people deal with conflict and also being the recipient of right some conflict. In fact, the first chapter in the book is called The Day I Wanted to Burn Down the Church. <laughs> and I know. Amazing title. <laughs> Fantastic title. And, you know, and what ended up happening is like a lot of your listeners that aren't even in ministry, there was a huge church hurt issue. Mm. And so I found myself smack dab in the middle of a situation where it was like, gosh, I'm devastated. I'm so hurt. I'm angry. I'm confused. I'm wounded. And, but yet I'm a follower of Jesus. So how I handle this really matters. Right. And so I had to learn, and sometimes I'm just going to be honest with you, Molly, sometimes I didn't do the right thing. Sometimes I did, but God really just placed me in the furnace to say, if you're going to talk about this, you need to learn this and you need to live this. And I really did learn both from successes and failures, things that I am look back now and I think, oh, I am so glad I did that. Mm. And also things I look back and think, I wish I hadn't done that. If I could do that over, I would do it differently. And I would like to hope that this book serves the purpose to help people avoid things that will make them regret how they handled some conflict in their life, even whether it's with their church or their spouse or their children or their extended family or their coworkers. I am just so passionate because I see such disunity in all aspects of our culture. And I really believe God is doing a new thing and he wants to really heal us but he has to equip us and help and give us healthy ways of, of handling conflict. Yeah. You know, and the reality is, is that, you know, there's going to be, I mean, we, as we said, and as you said, we all face conflict and there's certainly various varying levels of conflict. There's varying types of conflict. You know, I mean, it can be everything from, you know, a, a marital conflict over, how, you know, uh, the, the joking, the lighthearted conflict in, in my marriage, is um, my husband likes to uh, leave a wet towel after the shower on our bed. And, you know, um, you know, it's the lighthearted conflict where he's, we were at a, um, which he doesn't anymore because I would always be like, why do you leave the wet, the wet towel on the bed? You know, this is, everybody is getting a, a real sweet insight into my marriage is that this is our deepest conflict is my husband leaving a wet towel on the bed. And I know I do things that drive him crazy. So you have the, like the, the, the little marital conflicts of just like the nuances of living with another human being. Um, and then you have everything from like family conflicts over disagreements of, uh, you know, what, what we're discussing at the dinner table um, or politics or whatever to bigger conflicts. So there's, you know, a wide range from things that just are not that serious, like wet towels all the way up to, you know, massive life changes or big issues um, that, that, that we face as humans that, um, that lead to major conflict. And it's going to be in, in every aspect of our lives. But it is how we deal with that that defines us in a lot of ways. It, it, it can affect our relationships. Um, the amount of uh, people I know personally, I mean, I've personally been affected by this before, who have completely lost touch with um, or, or cut off or been cut off from, you know, family or good friends because of, of conflict is astounding. And so I say all that to say, how do you approach, you know, at what point is it something that where you deal with the conflict, you face it head on, you try to either resolve or you come to some sort of understanding and an agree to disagree sort of scenario. And at what point is it actually healthy or wise to no longer be in relationship with this person. I don't, you know, and I, and I, I realize that there's nuance and, and it's not a black and white issue by any stretch of the imagination, 
But I'd be curious to hear your perspective on that. You know, obviously, wet towels on the bed are not something you cut somebody off for. But, you know, if there's a, a fundamental disagreement or, or or an offense, you know, maybe that is. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. such Well, you have m- multiple questions in there and they're all amazing. <laughs> I know. So I, do, I always do said, this. So it's just my it's my yeah, uh, my it. beige flag. Hey, one of the things that I think and I actually say this in the book is that not all conflicts are created equal. Right. And you alluded to that. There are the wet towels on the bed and then there are some major watershed issues. So what I like to say is don't make the small things big, but don't make the big things small. Mm. And we have a propensity to get those reversed. We end up making the small things big things and we end up making the big things small things. And what I mean by that is we will have watershed issues that are repetitive or hurtful or destructive to the relationship. And we tend to sweep those under the rug or avoid those or postpone having a conversation about that. And big issues never go away on their own, right? So we don't make the small things big, but we don't make the big things small. So you said, you know, your issue, your small things was uh, the wet towels on the bed. Well, mine, my husband's and mine was a t-shirt on the floor. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah. he has a t-shirt, he puts a t-shirt on before he goes to bed, but then he gets hot in the middle of the night. He took it off, you know, we'll take it off, throw it on the floor. And years ago, he would go to work really early, like, oh, dark hundred. And I would get up after him and there would be his shirt on the floor. And Molly... I would, in my mind, have this little self-talk and my self-talk would go something like, okay, are you kidding me? Really? A t-shirt on the floor? Can he just pick it up? He's an adult. Like, am I this family's personal slave? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And I ended up mad at my husband 30 seconds after I was awake, which was ridiculous until one day I paused long enough to listen to my thoughts. And I As I listened to myself, I actually said to myself, are you kidding me? You have a hardworking, loving husband who loves the Lord, loves you, loves your kids, and this is going to be your big issue? Are you kidding me? And Molly, right then, I made a decision, no more. This is ridiculous. I am actually destroying my own relationship with making a small thing a big thing. And I just, I said, okay, I got to turn this around. So what I decided to do was every morning I would pick his t-shirt up off the floor. And as I held the t-shirt from the side of our bed into our master bedroom closet where the hamper is located, I would pray for my husband. And I pray the most simple prayers, just like, Lord, give him a great day today. Give him wisdom, protect him, you know, just real simple things. Drop his t-shirt in the hamper and went on my way. And I tell you what, just learning to be aware of the small things that I'm making big things and course correct that, it stopped a lot of conflict from happening. But like I said before, you don't make the small things big, but we can't make the big things small. And so we do have to realize that every big thing that we don't address now will just be a bigger thing later. So in the book, I talk about the fact that there is a, what I like to call a conflict continuum. So if you picture a line in your mind on one side, we have people that are the avoiders and they're the people that are like, I just want peace. I just want conflict to go away. I just don't want to deal with it. Maybe, maybe it'll just go away. Or maybe somebody will say something other than me or why do I have to say something? Shouldn't the person just know? You know, that's what goes on the head of a mind of an avoider. On the other end of the continuum are the attackers. And these are the people that are, hey, let's just get it out on the table. I'm a truth teller. The issue though with the attackers is that sometimes they come off harsh and controlling and they are they can be hurtful, right? So what we have to realize is that when we are in conflict with people, they will feel one of two things. They will feel cared for or they will feel controlled. And so if we are coming at a person in a way that is harsh 
they're going to feel controlled. And when people feel controlled, they shut down or they walk out. When people feel cared for, they open up and they and they continue the dialogue, right? So there's the avoiders and there's the attackers. Those are the two extremes on the continuum. But in the middle, the sweet spot are the people that are the addressers. So they don't avoid, they don't attack, they address. And these are the people who talk about issues in a way that's helpful, not hurtful. And that's what that's where we want to land. That's where Jesus wants us to land. I think that's such a helpful distinction in kind of explaining and illustrating that continuum because you're right there. are, And I think that we all fall into, can probably fall into one category or another at different times. I will say, I think one, and I I think I've talked about this on the podcast before is my husband and I, I I feel like one of the strengths of our marriage, um, you know, we're about to celebrate Actually, when this airs, we will have just celebrated 12 years of marriage. Um, and uh, but we've been together, you know, almost 14 years. And but one thing I will say that I think in our marriage that is a huge strength is our ability, ability to communicate and is our ability. Um, and and I'll, and a lot of it is I am an addresser, I'd say most of the time, especially in our marriage. Um, and with my kids, um, I'm definitely an addresser. I probably drive my kids crazy with that actually, because I don't let anything like fester, um, (laughs) that I Mm -hmm. just like, I want to deal with it, but it can be much harder, um, for me personally. And I'm, I'm, I would be more of an avoider when it comes to like friends or people in my church or my Mm -hmm. extended family. I'm going to be much more of an avoider than the people that are like my trust, most trusted people, like my husband and my kids that are like, I live with every single day. But if it's like, if I don't see this person every single day, it's much easier for me to just avoid, 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 avoid. Um, even though I know that that is not the, the healthiest approach, but I, you know, I think I relate to that so much of, and I think I I love that illustration of just seeing it as a continuum and realizing that we're all going to fall into you know one category yeah. um depending on the time this actually leads me to something i wanted to bring up um and it was um as i was reading your book um the chapter that i really loved and and related to the most is chapter 7 and it's uh the title of it is if everyone would only listen to me or how to make misunderstandings a thing of the past <laughs> and um the reason i in particular and this is just me being um you know it's my show and i'm going to talk about what i want um is as an enneagram 2 one of you know uh if you are familiar with the enneagram and if you but uh, you know and this also just is my general just personality in general is um being misunderstood or somebody thinking something about me or saying something about me that is not true is like one of my greatest fears in life. (laughs) Meanwhile, my husband who is an Enneagram eight, that is like, he could not care less. Like he just like, he's like, whatever you can think what you want. (laughs) He's like, I know the truth. Whereas I'm like over here, like, Oh my gosh, this person misunderstood me or thinks about something about me. That's not true. And so our personality types are very different when it comes to that. But, you know, so in this chapter, you know, you talk a lot about um, the importance of listening and how that is leading with listening is really what actually leads to um, either resolving misunderstanding or preventing misunderstanding. But uh, and I'm going to read a little excerpt. You said, if I think you said something you didn't say, I didn't listen. If I think you meant something you didn't mean, I haven't listened. Most of our day to day conflicts can be summed up in one word, misunderstanding. But herein lies the problem. Listening to understand can be a challenge. And you talk about this distinction between understanding doesn't necessarily have to mean agreement. And um, so I would love for you to just kind of unpack that because I know, again, I realize that this is something that I uniquely deal with, but because I have a a finger on the pulse of a lot of my audience, I know my audience Mm -hmm. also deals with this as well. Um, And there, I'm sure are people listening like my husband who, uh, you know, again, really don't care if people <laughs> there's a misunderstanding because <laughs> um, that's you know not that he doesn't care but you know and certainly doesn't care like I do um 
So anyway, I'd love for you to kind of unpack that and how that, that plays out for most people. Okay. Well, Molly, I'm so glad you brought this up. I am about to tell your listeners, seriously, the golden ticket. This is the golden ticket. I, I swear to you. So the reason listening is so important is because when we are in conflict with someone or they are in conflict with us, really what we really want, we, we think we want to get our way or we think we want, you know, our opinion to be heard. But what we really want is to be understood. That's what we really want. So this think about the last time that you maybe had, you know, you were venting to your husband about something like with the kids. And then he tried to fix you that it probably frustrated you, right? You're like, don't fix me. I just want you to understand my frustration, right? Or it doesn't even have to be with your husband. Maybe it was your sister or your friend. And you're like, would she stop fixing me for heaven's sakes? I just want her to listen because we really want to be understood. So what ends up happening is if we are the recipient of someone else's messy emotions, our child's, our husbands, our co-workers, or we have our own messy emotions, you know, we're hurt, we're angry, we're upset, we're frustrated, you know, you fill in the blank. When we don't listen to understand, one of two things always happens. All right. So I want your listeners to think through like maybe a conflict as I'm walking through this that, that they've had recently. So let's just say that your child comes to you and they're like, I'm so, you know, I hate school. I, I, I'm never going back. And you say something like, oh my gosh, you have to go to school. That's ridiculous. No, I don't. I hate it. I hate my stupid teacher and I'm never going back. Don't call your teacher stupid. Heard you that are going morning. back. Right. So I'm not going back. You can't make me to go back. Yes, I can, mister. You know, you, and the, and the conflict ramps up, right? What's happening is in that child's mind, they're feeling these emotions that you, they want you to understand. So when we go into fix it mode or dismiss it mode or advice mode, or I don't have time for this mode, or Jesus wouldn't want us to feel that mode in their minds, they're thinking she's not understanding me. So I need to escalate it. I need to ramp it up either by getting louder or being more dramatic or slamming a door or having a pouty face that's even more dramatic. Somehow I need to escalate it because if I escalate it, maybe she'll finally get it. And then if we don't listen to understand, mm -hmm. they'll escalate it more and more and more until they get to the point where subconsciously something just happens and they go, she's never going to get it. So they end it. And that's when you hear things like, just forget it. You don't understand. You'll never understand. Or people walk out, slam doors, um, sever relationships. So what we need to understand is that when we don't listen, conflicts always escalate or they end. Mm. And neither of those is a, a, an outcome that we desire. Mm. Neither of those lends itself to our actually being able to resolve the conflict. So it's really counterintuitive because when we're in conflict, frankly, we don't want to listen to somebody else's messy emotions, or we sometimes just want them to listen to us, right? We have our own perspective. But if we can take a deep breath and realize, I just need to lead with listening. If I lead with listening, it will de-escalate all of the emotions it will make the other person feel respected and understood. And then because things have been de-escalated, then I'm able to say what it is that I wanted to say in the first place. And the person actually listens to me. So it's really, again, it's counterintuitive. The way we get people to listen to us is by first listening to them. And as you mentioned, Molly, listening does not equal agreement. Listening equals understanding. And when we understand, we, you know, we get the whole picture of what the person's feeling, thinking, believing, and then we're be better able to respond when we actually do say what's on our mind. So how do you then, in a healthy way, convey 
to the person you're in conflict with or to the person that you're listening to, like say it's this sort of thing where it's like you are not going to agree on whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Like if it's just a fundamental like values based disagreement or you just or whatever. I, I don't know. But whatever the thing is where you are at a fundamental level, you are going to disagree with this person or the person you're in conflict with. How do you convey in a healthy way? I understand. I hear what you're saying and also respect and say, you know, or conveying like I disagree or maybe you don't say that you just I hear you. But like, how do you convey understanding without necessarily conveying agreement? Yeah, that is that's the million dollar question, right? Right. You just asked right there. That's huge. I would say it depends on the level of intimacy you have with with the person. That makes sense. Because there are some people you're going to fundamentally disagree with. Like, let's just say somebody on social media that truthfully, Molly, the best response is no response. Oh, because you you don't have a relationship with this person. Yeah. So it's not like you have to respond or reply to every post they put on social media, you know, in all caps. We would be better served not to do that. I always say I'm like, you know, one, I do not bait, nor do I take the bait of people who uh, the Facebook or YouTube or Instagram comment section. I just don't um, because you know, I've been on Facebook from the beginning and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I can think of maybe, maybe one. I'm going to, I don't actually think I, I've, I can think of one, but here's, here's my point is I'm going to leave room for, I understand that there might be an exception to this, but I would say in general, I can't think of a situation in which somebody was like, their minds were changed because of the Facebook comment section where somebody was like, you know what? You're right about this political hot topic. My opinion is now changed and I agree with you. Like, no, (laughs) I just, I've never seen that happen where somebody might like be like, okay, I I see a different perspective now, but I, in general, it's not going to happen. So yes, I, I agree. You know, the social media comment section is not exactly the place that you put this into practice, but in the people that you know, mean something to you in day in and day out or, you know, close friends and family or, you know, people in your church, like, yeah, this might be where you have to employ this, this million dollar question, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I, I could not agree with you more. And I think the key is learning to be, to disagree without being disagreeable. And there actually is a chapter in the book called how to disagree without being disagreeable and how to spot those who can't. Mm. Because there are some people who can't, and we don't want to be those people. Right, right. <laughs> we don't want to be those people. One of the things I think it's really important to acknowledge, Molly, is that conflict is part of life. And we all know that. We all say that. We all nod our head in agreement. But what I want to say that I don't want anybody to skip over is that if you have conflict with someone, it does not mean you are a bad person, they are a bad person, or your relationship is somehow defective or bad. And I want to say that because so many of us have been raised in homes where conflict was not handled in a healthy way, that when conflict does happen, even either in the home, in the church, in the workplace, we automatically go to this place where we go, oh, some conflict is bad. Or if the conflict isn't bad, then that person is bad or I'm bad, or we're bad, or, and that's not necessarily the case. Conflict just means you live among people that have different opinions, different ideas. They're just different from you. That's, that's it. And I just want to say to anybody who is feeling like, wow, there's a lot of conflict in my life. That doesn't mean you're a bad person or that this is, this is hopeless. I I want to give you hope that you're normal everybody has conflict. It doesn't mean things are irreparable. And there's, there's, there's a way to handle things, disagree without being disagreeable. The other thing that really plays in here is the 
ability and and the topic of forgiveness, the ability mm-hmm. to and the the importance of forgiveness in here. And, you know, that can be really hard for some people. And I think there's a lot of, I mean, as with any of these things, there's a lot of nuance involved in forgiveness as well, is this idea that um, often times, and we can look at the Bible throughout the Bible as well, oftentimes forgiveness not only is not just for the other person, but almost, you know, mm-hmm. for ourselves and how we learn and model forgiveness um, in our own lives in different um, situations and also how forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean restoration. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. Like I thought about this um, as in my Bible reading in the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been in Genesis and um, you know, the story of Jacob and Esau where, you know, Jacob you know, deceived Esau multiple times. And, um, you know, eventually they uh, separate and then are eventually they, they come, they come back together. And there's this moment, this really powerful moment of forgiveness. But after that, they go their separate ways again. Like they're not in relationship with one another after all this time, but there's a love and a forgiveness and an understanding there. But what has really been interesting is then the trickle down effect of that forgiveness between Jacob and Esau. Eventually you see down the, the familial line of Joseph forgiving his brothers and Joseph, Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers. And for people that don't know the story, you know, but Joseph in the, the technicolor dream coat, even though it's probably not technicolor, but we won't get into that. Um, but you know, Joseph gets sold into slavery and yada, yada, yada. And he goes to Egypt and he's been in jail and blah, blah, blah. And then later, you know, his brothers, when they're in a moment of need, they come to him and what does he do? He forgives them. And, and my pastor said this in a sermon about a year or two ago where he talked about, he's like, you know, think about Joseph heard the story of the forgiveness of Jacob and Esau, because that was his family. And so Mm -hmm. like in this moment where he didn't have to forgive his brothers, but he did. And that was because forgiveness was modeled to him. Um, and so Mm. forgiveness doesn't always equal restoration, but it can, it, it does equal healing. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's an important piece of this. And so I'd love for you to kind of talk about how that plays into all of this, especially when it comes to that component of, um, of, of, you know, disagreement while also understanding. I mean, I think all these things really play, um, apart, uh, together. Yeah, they really do. And I love that you brought this up because, because we are in human relationships, we're going to hurt right. each other. We're going to offend each other. We're going to bother each other. Um, you know, that's just, that's going to be part of the gig. Mm-hmm. So if we don't want our relationships to be fractured beyond repair, forgiveness is going to have to be part of it yeah. because unforgiveness is the fatal flaw mm-hmm. that will fracture a relationship forever. So therefore we need to learn what forgiveness is, how to do it, what it isn't. And I, you know, I mentioned Molly that my opening chapter of the book is the day I wanted to burn down the church. And because I was just so devastated and hurt and wrong, actually my husband, both of us by implication, but what ended up happening was I, I realized, okay, I could be consumed by bitterness and resentment and it would take me to some really dark, ugly places. And I know Jesus commands me to forgive, but honestly, I don't even know how. I was mm-hmm. so fractured. I was so broken. I was so wounded. I was so blindsided that I just thought, I, I don't know how. And one day I was talking to the former worship pastor's wife and I, I just sort of tiptoed my way into vulnerability with her. And I just whispered my private confession. And I said, I know I should forgive because Jesus says that we should forgive. And I want to because Jesus has commanded it. But I don't know how. I don't know if I can. I don't know what to do. And Molly, she said something to me that was literally the beginning point of my journey toward forgiveness and wholeness and healing. 
she turned, she took me by the, the shoulder. She put her hands on my shoulders and she had me face her eye to eye. And then with the most compassionate, tender voice, she said, Donna, I want you to listen to me. The fact that you want to learn to forgive pleases God. Mm-hmm. And Molly, I tell you what, I just, it was like, really? really, this is pleasing to the Lord. Like, oh, I needed to hear that because I was just so broken. And she said, in time, you just be open to him and he will show you how. And that's exactly what he did. And I realized, you know, walking through this, that forgiveness obviously is, it's a command, it's a choice, and it's a process. So what I want to say to our listeners is that first, if you are in a situation where you've been so wounded, so mischaracterized, so offended, that even the idea of forgiveness makes you mad because you're like, this isn't fair. Right. Like it was their fault. Like what, what, why should I have to be the one to forgive? I just want to say, just start, just pray for the want to just start there. Just pray for the want to. And then realize it's a choice, which is something we do with our will. And we just say, Lord, I'm going to choose to do this if only because I know you say I should, but then give yourself grace that it is a process. And, you know, if somebody's wounds are just surface, we can forgive them pretty quickly. But if they go deep, it's going to take time because it's like a deeper cut. Yeah. So give yourself grace. But here's what I know for sure, is that if we don't work through the process of forgiveness, then what happened is we will stay hurt. And the conflict that we just wish would go away, it lives on in our minds over and over and over again. And we cannot get free from it. It's like they, it just, it's chaining us. And so we'll stay hurt. And what do hurt people do? Hurt Hurt people, people, hurt people, right? Right. And so what we have to realize is like, we're not going to be the exception. If we're hurt, we will hurt. Now we won't mean to, we won't intend to, but we'll hold people at arm's length and keep them, we'll build walls or we will be suspicious of people. We'll be cynical toward relationships. You know, there, there will be, there will be some sort of ramification that we'll have to live with in our life. Which is why I really do believe that's one of the reasons that Jesus made forgiveness a command is, as to your point, Molly, it's as much for the relationship as it is for us. And then in addition, it's the gospel in living color because forgiveness is, it's what what brings us into a relationship with Jesus in the first place, right? So let me just share with your listeners one thing that was super, super helpful for me as I worked through this process of forgiveness. One day I was praying and I I journal, I write down my prayers and I was praying and I was just so hurt and wounded. And I wrote these words. I said, Jesus, I invite you into my pain. And Molly, just writing those words, Jesus, I invite you into my pain. It was so healing. I almost can't even describe Mm -hmm. it. And then I just, I just kept going. I I invite you into my confusion. I invite you into my wounds. I invite you into, and I just was, I I invite you in, I invite you in. And when we invite Jesus into those spaces, he doesn't shame us. He sympathizes because he leans towards us and he whispers, I know I felt it too. I get it. I understand and I can help. Because, you know, he was mischaracterized. He was physically abused. He was misunderstood. He was betrayed. He was talked about. You know, you go down the list of everything that we could experience as human beings. And Jesus says, I know. I know. I know. I know. I've been there. I can help you through this. So that was just hugely helpful for me, Molly. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to your point and, and to just emphasize one of the things you said is like the time component is a big piece of it. And, um, and, and what's been really encouraging and freeing to me, especially as I've been, um, looking at this through the lens of the scriptures as well is there's, you know, I, I think the culture that we live in today makes us 
think that this needs to be something that happens tomorrow um, and, and needs to be a, you know, we live in a microwave culture where this is just like, oh, it needs to be a quick fix. And um, I mean, you could go to the self-help section of Barnes and Noble and you'll see hundreds of books on, you know, like just forgiveness and, and, and healing that, that, that almost promises this overnight solution or transformation when that's just not reality and that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really freeing to read the scriptures and see these, these instances of forgiveness and see how Jesus treats forgiveness and, and see how, um, it's been written into the fabric, um, of who we are from the beginning and it's never on our time and it is never quick. Um, and it's never easy. It takes work and it takes patience and it takes trust in the Lord. And it takes, um, you know, there's that, that, the, tr- the process of sanctification, um, on both parties, <laughs> um, But, uh, but praise God, we have, um, a God who models this for us. And, you know, I mean, one of my favorite passages of scripture is, um, the, the exchange between Jesus and the other thief on the cross, um, in Luke 23, when, you know, the, the thief looks to him, I mean, they're dying, they're on the cross and he has spent his entire life, making horrible, terrible decisions. He's been a, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, a horrible human being for most of his life. And he looks to Jesus and he says, father, like, or he's like, you know, Jesus, you know, will you remember me? And, you know, Jesus says, of course I will remember you truly. I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. And that, that modeling and example of forgiveness and wholeness and, and healing, is, is something that has just always really, uh, I don't know. I've just always like that whole scene, um, just wrecks me every time I read it. Yeah. Um, and what yeah. a, like, what a good, good father we have, um, um, mm-hmm. in Jesus that, that really, like I said, that, that models for us, um, what, what looks like it can be impossible, you know? Oh, yeah. goodness. Anyway. And Molly, can I, can I add just one please, other quick please. little caveat? Of course you can. Um, because not only sometimes are we going to have to forgive other people, the reality is we're going to be need to be the one that needs to be forgiven. Oh, yeah. Because we're going to hurt someone or 100%. say things that we regret. And so, you know, that that's where apologies come in. And that's a big part yeah. of conflict resolution. And here's here's what I want to say about, about apologies that I think is just the key takeaway is that when we apologize. The other person feels hurt by what we did. They want to know, we know we hurt them. Mm-hmm. So that if we can, as we're apologizing, um, acknowledge that what, what we did was wrong, but also this whole idea of, I know I hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That is very healing to people. Mm. And whether that's with our children, you know, I, I yelled at you or I handled that in such a bad way. Not just, I'm sorry, but honey, I, that I know that made you feel really shamed the way I spoke with you. And I, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. And I don't want to make you ever feel shamed or, you know, with your spouse or your coworker or whatever. Um, but I have a, I have a, actually a coworker who said her mother, who's in her eighties came back and they had kind of had a, a really tumultuous relationship and said, I want you to know, I now realize I was not a great mom to you. Mm. And I re- I'm very sorry. And she said the acknowledgement of her mom, you know, just admitting what had been true was the process of really deep reconciliation for them. So, and it's never too late. You know, this mom was in her eighties and I was, you know, looking back on what she had done in my coworkers childhood. So it's never too late to just humble ourselves and admit what we've done and, and let people know I I hurt you. And I know that I hurt you. And I'm really sorry for that, man, that, uh, that, that key piece, it is never too late. If you're still breathing, God's not done. If you're not dead, God's not done. Um, and even then, 
God ain't done yet. Um, cause God's got the final word and, um, man, that is so powerful. And I know, um, I'm just, I'm certain that there is somebody listening who that was, it was for that person. Um, Donna, I could talk to you for like another two or three hours about this, um, because I've, I have so many questions, but we have run out of time and, um, I am just so grateful for you putting this book out into the world. And, um, you know, especially as we, Oh Lord, as we head into, a, uh, another election season and, uh, just all of all of the things, I mean, who, who knows what is ahead of us, but we having the tools to, to handle conflict well, because, you know, the reality, we didn't even get to really talk about this piece is how conflict more often than not can strengthen relationships and, um, you know, and you, you're, you're strengthening your communication skills and, um, all those things. So we didn't even get to really even talk about that, but that, that, you know, this, the tools in this book are just so, so needed. Um, and your wisdom and, uh, just the, the, you know, the pursuit of spiritual peace is, is key. So, uh, Donna, as we wrap up here, um, how can people best connect with you? Um, they need to go get your book and all of those things. Yeah. Well, first, you're right. We barely scratched the surface, but that's the that's the good stuff yeah. because um there's so many practical things in this book that are truly going to be helpful right. and bring people the peace that they want and mm-hmm. the better relationships they that they want. So, um you can find Healthy Conflict Peaceful Life Everywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, christianbooks.com, anywhere you get books, you can find this book. You can connect with me on my website, which is donnajones.org. And I have some fun free resources over there that I think your listeners would really appreciate. Um, And then I would love to connect with your listeners on Instagram. I'm at Donna A. Jones. And if they're a Facebook person, I'm at Donna Jones, speaker and author. Awesome. Donna, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for everything. And uh, congratulations again on your book. Well, thank you so much, Molly. It has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Thank you for your support. If you would let us know what you liked on social media, let us know something that you learned. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Can I Laugh Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And would you take a moment to leave a review of the show, which helps us to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. Thank you so much to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. And thank you for listening. I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. We'll see you next week. Bye.